everyone and welcome back to the fifth episode of the World of Heritage. My name is Stephanie and here with me is Nidofa. We are students of the World Heritage Studies program at the BTU. Hi from my side. We have started this podcast as our study project for this semester, querying the narrative course held by our professor, Ms. Caitlin Williams. In each episode, we have a new guest from the BTU Heritage community, and we are really excited to introduce to you our fifth guest, all the way from Australia, Isaac Bibi. Before we start with our interview, we would like to tell you a little bit more about Isaac. He was born and raised in Hubbard, Australia, and that is also where he lives right now. He started studying earth science for his undergrad. However, he then switched to arts and graduated with a degree in history and German language from the University of Tasmania. He was initially planning on doing his master in the World Heritage Studies program at the BTU, but as he found out that the BTU has a joint master program with the Deakin University in Melbourne, he decided to apply for the program of cultural heritage and museum studies based in Australia, with the opportunity to do a semester abroad in Germany. Unfortunately, due to Corona, his plan of living in Germany for some time and practicing his German was cancelled, so he is taking the online courses at BTU this semester. Isaac, thanks so much again for agreeing to talk to us all the way from Australia. Thanks for having me. Great, so let's start with the round of our questions. Isaac, please share with us your story about how come you switched from earth science to study history and the German language. Well, I was always interested in the way that the earth works, but it was never really something I was particularly passionate about. And in Australia, the obvious stream of employment um, for geology is mining, and it's not really an industry that really fit well for me. Um, history, however, was always a passion of mine, and I'm a bit more of a creative thinker than an analytical one. So I thought I would just do something I'm more comfortable with and more interested in. Uh, as for German, I've always been interested in the country, and I've got a few friends who are German, so I wanted to sort of practice speaking German with them. And uh, my aunt is also Austrian, so there's that connection. When was the first time that you fell in love with World Heritage? It's a good question. Um, I guess as a continuation of my love of history, I've always been interested in different cultures. Um, growing up in a fairly ethnically and culturally homogenous country like Australia, uh, particularly Tasmania, it's a bit more rural, so it's even more so. Um, I'd always wanted to travel and experience uh, the world that I've read about. Um, I got my chance in 2016 uh, when I travelled to Europe for about three months. And uh, it was really exciting getting to see some of the, um, the, the massive monumental heritage there that I always wanted to see, like the Colosseum in Rome or the Eiffel Tower. Um, explaining more about the program, how did you find about Heritage Program and BTU and why you end up applying for the one at the joint program with Deakin? Uh, well, I initially intended to study a master's degree of some sort in Germany. Uh, but I wasn't really sure what, and I was sort of looking around to see what was what was there. And I, I was the World Heritage course at BTU sort of jumped out at me. I really liked the sound of it, and BTU seemed like a good place to study. Um, quite close to Berlin, but still sort of rural enough. I'm a bit of a I'm not a big city guy, so I like the smaller places like um, Cottbus 
um, when I found out that they had the dual award with the University of Australia, I thought it's, it's the choice was obvious, I should go with this place. So um, thanks so much for that. In your opinion, what is the most important thing to understand about World Heritage? If you would explain the area to another person who doesn't um, know what World Heritage is about. Uh, well, one of the major sort of ah moments for me um, during this course was the realization that conservation of heritage isn't necessarily about keeping things static and unchanged and unspoiled for the rest of time, um, but about safeguarding not only their heritage, but the broader relationships around it and being able to hand something to future generations that they can actually use. So heritage is special because we believe it to be, not because um, there's some natural um, attribute. It, it's what we ascribe to it. And um, we can lose this sometimes in the pursuit of preservation. So I think it's always a good thing to keep in mind that heritage should be useful. A bit more personal, uh, in Germany, we lately had more Corona restrictions. How was the situation with the tight corona restrictions in Australia? And are you enjoying corona-free summertime now? Uh, well, I was in Melbourne for the majority of the year and it did experience the harshest lockdown in Australia. And they were locked down for quite a while, quite a significant 10-week lockdown, I think it was, um, because they had a few breakouts, which meant we had to start again. Um, it was quite isolating and not being able to see friends and family was quite difficult. A lot of my friends and family are in Melbourne, but we could only go within, say, five kilometres of our house. And my sister, for instance, lived six kilometres away. So it was just just out of reach. I was lucky, though. I'm lucky to be in Australia because even though lockdown was quite strict, there were a lot of safety nets and government help. So there was not um, so much anxiety about money or that sort of thing where you, you, have, you see that everywhere else in the world. Now that I am back in Tasmania, though, in freedom, I'm really enjoying it, although it's a bit too hot. Okay, great. Uh, we are already finished with our questions for the first part of uh, today's podcast, and therefore we will take a short break. Let's continue with the second one. As Isaac can't be in Cottbus right now because of Corona, we can't ask him questions about the city. However, we have some other really interesting questions for him about the double degree, Melbourne and other things. Isaac, how was the application process for the double degree? Was it difficult to get in? Uh, I think it was actually quite straightforward. Um, I essentially had to apply for the master's uh, program at Deakin University. And then once I was accepted into that, I had to apply for the dual award on top of that. Uh, I don't recall it being very difficult. We had to send our CV and a cover letter. I think it was almost like applying for a job, um, which was good. And I didn't actually have any contact with BTU until probably about August last year when we were really finalizing our enrollment. So it was, it was all very much um, from the, the Deacon side of things, very, very easy. What do you like the most about the double degree program and would you recommend a double degree in general to anyone in your university? I definitely, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think even though COVID means I've had a very different experience to what was intended, um, I th still think I've got quite a lot out of it. Um, I mean, the opportunity to study at two different universities, you can see the different methodologies and the different perspectives, you know, they both do things quite differently. And I think that's really, um, that's a really good experience. I have basically doubled the amount of teachers to draw upon. So double amount of experience, 
uh, a lot of networking that's really important um, and just the opportunity to meet and work with people from all over the world uh, is really really valuable I think you can get a lot of different perspectives from from your fellow students what must do's and must sees would you recommend fellow double degree students that come to Australia for their exchange semester well I am from Tasmania so maybe my bias shows a bit but I would suggest that anyone who came to Australia would come to Tasmania and particularly to the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area. It's one of only two sites on the World Heritage List that are nominated under seven criteria. Uh, the other one is Mount Taishan in China. And uh, it covers an area as big as the German state of Schleswig-Holstein. So it's quite large. It's about, I think, a third of the size of Tasmania. A lot of people, I think, see Australia as a very dry, dusty bushland. You know, it's all very hot and we've got deserts and kangaroos. But um, the Tasmanian wilderness is, you know, it's full of ancient rainforests and snowy mountains and peat bogs. And it's really old and mystical and just beautiful. It's captivating. And you can just get lost in it. There's so many different places you can go. It's, it's really, it's my favourite place in the world. And maybe I'm a bit biased, but... I'd always come back here, I think. Wow, it, it sounds like to be really dreamy, Tasmania. Can you please tell us more about the daily life in Melbourne and what do you like most about the city and the area around uh, campus university? Uh, well, obviously the COVID restrictions made it difficult to fully appreciate Melbourne, but I mean, Hobart's, Tasmania's a one hour plane trip away and I've got a lot of family there, so I've spent a bit of time in Melbourne and I really like the city. There are a lot of city parks and trees. It's very green. Uh, and I think a big part of the charm of Melbourne is that it's got a lot of suburbs and they've all got their own sort of vibe, their own identity, uh, their own heritage. So the area around Deakin is called Burwood and it's, it's quite safe. It's quite suburban, but it's very peaceful. Um, lots of parks and greenery. And it's really close to, I'd say, probably some more interesting suburbs. Um, It's sort of flanked by interesting suburbs like Box Hill, which is very sort of multicultural. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting and fun to go on little excursions um, when you're in Melbourne to a different suburb for a day and just to see what, what they have there. Now I'm jealous. I really want to see Melbourne at some time too. So um, does Deakin University hold any normal lectures right now or... Are they online? And if so, are you participating in any courses from them right now? Uh, at the moment, I'm not actually sure if they are holding any physical lectures, but I don't think they would. They've been very cautious throughout COVID and they don't really want to put anyone under undue stress. So they're quite comfortable with doing online learning. A lot of the Jewel Award was sort of online anyway, as it allows you to be very flexible with the time and not doing any Deacon units this semester. I'll be doing another one in late February when the semester starts up. Okay, we are finished with the second part already. We will come back in a few seconds with the third part. Stay tuned. Hi again, let's continue with the last part of today's talk about the degree in general. Isaac, uh, how was the first semester last year before the pandemic? How many students you were in your course? And did you also have international students in your class? Well, the first semester was a bit disappointing just because 
we got to meet all these really interesting students in the first week because we did have we did have classes in the first week um and then i never saw them again in person because of covid um so all lectures were moved online and while we did obviously communicate online and that was it was still valuable um it was sad that we never, never got to catch up again in person uh and i think it's particularly disappointing for the the btu group of the jewel award who came all the way to australia uh just to spend six months essentially in their share house um on the computer which was sad because i mean you know australia is a lovely country and they, they, they missed so much but i thought it was it was a very good semester and it really set the groundwork quite well for everything else that's come and the teaching staff were quite good Deacon as well um yeah so i, I really enjoyed it there were definitely a few international students um but I'd say BTU probably has more. I'd say about, it seems about half the people at BTU are international. I'd say it's probably about a third um, at Deakin. Um, I have a question to that because um, our classes started to be online in, in March, but you said you only saw the people in person for two weeks. So you already, so Deakin already started to have online classes last year at some point, like in, in I'm not sure when your semester starts. So um in yes. October last year then uh yeah so the semester started in um in March and so we had we had one week in March uh where we were on campus and we had a few lectures and then we went to an excursion to the to museum in Melbourne which is quite a large quite a good museum um and then yeah for the rest of the year I was just in Melbourne in lockdown I sort of I sort of timed it quite poorly and I could have come home a bit earlier but I thought oh we'll see I think it's going to blow over It'll be fine. And, and it didn't. So I made the wrong choice there. But I'm back now. Thanks for, uh, for answering that. So what did you expect from the program? And were your expectations met so far? Um, oh, I didn't really come into the program with any specific expectations, more just an open mind that was ready to learn as much as I could. But I, I have really enjoyed what's, um, what has come. I think we've been given a lot of resources, as many resources as we need to really um, stick our teeth into the into the content of the course. Um, I think the teaching teaching has been to quite a high standard, and uh, try to make themselves as accessible as possible, and try to put as much stuff online so that we can just peruse at our will. So I think it's been I think it's been good. They've made a they've made the best out of a difficult situation, and I was impressed with how how they've. Uh, addressed addressed the year what online classes are you taking this semester and are uh, do you like them yeah um this semester i'm just taking two btu subjects because now that i'm back uh, out of lockdown in hobart i think i deserve some much needed socializing and some recreation time so i'm just taking it sort of doing a half load so this semester i'm taking cultural landscapes and essentials of heritage tourism And both of, the, both of those are with uh, Simona Fon Ibe. And uh, I really like Simona. I think her teaching style is really good. It's really uh, approachable, um, really succinct. She, she knows how to, her lectures are really well put together. Um, and the, the units are really interesting. I particularly love cultural landscapes. I think it's such a fascinating uh, aspect of heritage. Um, it's something I'd get, like to get to know a bit more. Yeah, Simona is really great. She's actually our coordinator for the double degree side at BTU. Are there any differences between the online courses given by Deakin and BTU? Yeah, I'd say that there are some differences. Um, I think the Deakin units were a bit more 
focused on the specifics of heritage, you know, what UNESCO does, e-commerce, you know, reading a lot of management plans and that sort of thing. Whereas beta units have been, for me, a bit more broad. Um, they're dealing with, you know, broad tourism trends and, you know, what's the cultural landscape and that sort of thing. The setups of the units are quite different as well. There are a lot more lectures with, with BTU. Um, you've got weekly, weekly lectures, whereas Deacon, they set it up so that initially we would have had a few days of each unit of just intensive online courses. So you'd go for the whole day and then you wouldn't go for another three or four weeks. So a lot of their stuff was online, a lot of the content was online and ready, and you can just address that at will. And there, there actually wasn't any group work at Deakin um, in the subject in the semesters that I did, but I've got a lot of group work at uh, BTU, which I think is really great. And I think it's particularly good when you're doing online study and distance learning to have group work because it allows you to really engage with other people who are, are doing it and sort of get, gauge their perspectives on things. I think it's really valuable. Do you already know what is your plan for the next semester in case that it's everything is not online and physical? Well, unfortunately, even if COVID sort of calms down a little bit, I, I couldn't go to Germany if I wanted to, as there are no outgoing flights from Australia. I'm trapped here, which is a nice place to be trapped. And Deacon, I don't think um, insurance would cover it either. But next semester, I'm going to be... It'll sort of overlap. Uh, I'll be doing a research design course with Deakin and that's going to start in February. And then in March, I'll start the um, summer semester. I think it's March. I'll start the summer semester with BTU and um, I think I'll be doing an archaeology unit and also a research project. So something similar to your guys' project, I think. And uh, if borders do open, um, they'll probably open to more the Asia-Pacific area. So if they do... I might go to Japan and I might study from there. Wow, that's a great plan. So we learned that you need to do a work placement for the joint degree which got cancelled because of Corona as well. What is your plan regarding this topic? I'm not 100% sure at this stage. Deacon did talk about potentially organising a joint um, project with their new dual award intake if they do manage to get to Australia but it's probably unlikely. So I will have to organize my own placement, I think. Um, but that means that I have a choice of anywhere I want to do. Uh, so that's a bit, bit exciting. Uh, so I think if I do um, find a placement, I'd like preferably to do it with either the Parks and Wildlife Service, as they, they take care of a lot of our natural heritage, um, or potentially I'd, I'd go with the museum the Tasmania Museum and Art Gallery, which has got a, a great selection of um, Indigenous art and Indigenous um, heritage, as well as more broad Tasmanian heritage. Mentioning museums and gallery, do you have a dream job on mind that you would work at after the graduation? And what would we eat? And what work, uh, tasks and inquiries the person needs for that? To be honest, I don't really have uh, a plan after I graduate. I'm, I'm really just happy with going with the flow and seeing where my interests take me. Um, I'd, I'd like to do something with world heritage. If I could, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, I'd love to be able to you know, travel and go to beautiful places and see if I can, I can help heritage be more safeguarded. 
But as of yet, I don't have any particular plan. I'm just happy to go with the flow. Do you have any courses related to UNESCO in Deakin? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of the units at Deakin, the units or courses, um, in Australia we call them units, I think in Germany we call them courses. But a lot of the units sort of deal with it as, as a strong side side thing. It's sort of always present in every lecture. We're always sort of constantly referring back to it and looking at this, the, you know, the operational guidelines of the World Heritage List. Uh, so you're constantly referring to it. There's, I don't believe there's a unit that specifically deals with it, but there's a, there's a World Heritage Unit um, and that, that essentially deals with ECOMOS and UNESCO and other sort of World Heritage Agencies and how they work and how World Heritage is protected. Okay, great. Unfortunately, we are already done with the third part and we want to ask you our last question. What heritage sites do you find most impressive and why? It's a good question. Um, most impressive heritage site. I'm not sure about most impressive, but one of my favorite heritage sites is the city of Toledo in Spain. It's it's just magnificent. You've got this river that's running through this canyon, cutting it, and it's just such a striking image of the city. And in the city is this old, beautiful town. Um, and you've got a, I think you call it uh, Alcazar or Alhambra or um, some big fortress up the top that's sort of been the, the seat of whatever power ruled the region at any point in history. And I've, I've found that to be a really beautiful, beautiful city and a really idyllic place. Thanks for introducing the city to us. So, and also thanks again, Isaac, for agreeing to meet us and for answering all our questions. We really enjoyed having such a nice conversation with you and we really learned a lot about the double degree from the few of a student who is based in Australia. Furthermore, we wish you all the best for your future studies and hope that you can be able to visit Cottbus at some point in the future, even if, it, even if you might not be studying anymore. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks also to you guys, wherever you are right now, for listening to our short talk with Isaac, uh, all the way from Australia. We enjoy our interview with you, with our flow student. We hope you did learn some new things about the heritage community and the double degree exchange opportunity between BTU and Deakin University. As our next guest for the sixth episode of the World of Heritage podcast, we will talk to Idil another student of our heritage community. Idil is an urban planner from Istanbul. She's in her third semester of the World Heritage Studies major. We are already really excited to share her story with you. For keeping up to date with our project, you can follow us on our Instagram. Our Instagram handler is the world of heritage. We would also appreciate your feedback. If you are interested in sharing your story on our podcast, feel free to contact us via Instagram or on our, our email. You can find our email address in the description box. Thank you again for listening and stay safe. Bye. Bye.